Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of B2B Made Simple. This was a a podcast I recorded with Jose Palomino on the Revenue Throughput podcast, and we dove deep into website strategy. Um, You know, as marketers, we might not be the ones building the website, but we're the ones strategizing and making sure that it is a buyer-centric website at the end of the day. Uh, So basically, I dive into um, what goes into a buyer-centric website and really why we're not building websites for the CEO, we're, we're building websites for the buyer. And that should be the mindset of every single B2B SaaS company out there. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this episode and get a lot from it. Welcome to another episode of the Revenue Throughput Podcast. Of course, I'm Jose Palomino, your host. And today's guest is Sam Moss of One Click Agency. And Sam's going to share with us key principles about creating a buyer-centric website and why it's so important, especially important in B2B. We're going to learn about how to leverage content, how to leverage design, how to really think about that website so it actually becomes a critical part of your marketing and sales strategy. And especially important is that you really think about making the necessary investments the smart way so that when it's time to reboot or redesign your website, you really know what to ask and what to dig in on when you're looking for help to pull it off. So this is a must-listen episode with Sam Moss, and we're going to welcome him to the show right now. Well, welcome, Sam, to the Revenue Throughput Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. No, absolutely. Absolutely, Sam. So just to give context to our listeners, uh, just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I own a web development and design uh, agency in upstate New York, and we build websites uh, for B2B SaaS companies. So we do the design, the maintenance, and development. Um, so between those three things, we you know help get a website off the ground or just maintain a site that's uh, already up and running. Okay, so what's interesting about, certainly when you look at website and you refer to like SaaS companies, people pr- producing uh, software as a service, that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of our listeners actually are a little bit more grounded in like the physical world. They make things, either machines or parts of machines and so on. But the principles of B2B marketing are the principles of B2B marketing. There's still a complex sale. You still have to persuade somebody and so on. So I want to dig into that a little bit here with you, Sam, about like just what makes for a good website. And, and let me just frame that a little bit with this question. What can a website, let me say it differently, in a, in, in a SaaS universe, you might want the website to convert, like you actually want it to turn a customer into a trier of free samples and so on. Mm-hmm. But what's possible if you're not selling something like that, you're selling a $100,000 machine, what should somebody listening to this say, what should my expectations be? What my website could do for me? So Mm -hmm. maybe just start there, just very high level, but what can a website do that may not be obvious? So a website does quite a few things. The first one is it will still convert even if you're selling a $100,000 piece of equipment. So that's that's super important to, to clarify as well, because if someone's coming to your website, 
a lot of times they're looking to do business with you. So you want it to be easy for them to convert, whether it's a SaaS tool or this, you know, this big piece of machinery or, or this tool uh, that you're selling. So <clears throat> conversions, your website can tell your story. And by story, I mean like your marketing narrative, right? Your company narrative. Like what do you, how do you differentiate yourself in the market? That's something that your website can share. It can also build credibility. A lot of times when buyers are looking for information about a company, they go to their website. And if your website is lackluster, if it is um, very unprofessional, it hasn't been updated in a few years, then that might hinder the credibility that people are going to your website to try and find. So between those three things, we have conversion, we have credibility. Um, and then I forget the, the second one I, I mentioned there, but between those three things, uh, a website can be pretty powerful. Right. So now somebody saying, well, you know, I've put a lot, you know, probably anybody who's been in business the last 20, 30 years has gone through like their third or fourth iteration of website project. And somebody, you know, some agency is something pitched them and said, this is the one that's going to make the big difference. And, and I know talking to these folks, they, they all know it is necessary, but they're not all that enthused about it. Mm -hmm. So is there something changing in the way people interact with the web? Is the buyer any different? And, you know, we had talked a little bit before we went uh, live on camera about a buyer-centric website. So I'd love to explore just what that means. And was, what makes a good website a good website? Mm -hmm. So nine times out of 10, if you go to an agency or if you have an in-house design team, right? A lot of times, all they focus on is the design of the website. And that is not creating a buyer-centric website. When I mean what I mean by buyer centric is you have your buyer in mind from start to finish, right? When you are building the website, from when you are creating your messaging, from when you, uh, when the site is live and how people interact with the site, you want it to be as smooth of an experience as possible for your buyers. That's creating a buyer centric website. Now, there's three things that go into a buyer centric website, and design is one of those components, but that's a, where a lot of people stop is, wow, does our website look good? But a website that looks good doesn't mean that people are going to stay on your website and mm -hmm. find out what you do, or maybe they already know what you do and they're looking for more information about your brand. So design can only get you so far. So that's one of the components. The second component is speed. No one wants to go to a website that's really slow. I've been on some websites that took 10 seconds to load and I'm like, you know what? This is taking too long, I'm gonna bounce. 10, consumers, seconds. 10 yeah. seconds is too long. Just way too long. I mean, average now is roughly two to three seconds. And even that is kind of pushing it. You people, we live in an instantaneous culture where people want things now. So speed is a huge factor when it comes to your website. Did the person that built it follow best practices so that it is fast, that it's not getting, you know, bogged down in the back end of the site. It's really important for that buyer centric website. And then and the last just a quick note on that, they may have followed best practices five years ago. <laughs> yeah, things change. But for things sure. change. Okay. Yes. Um, and the third component to a buyer centric website is your navigation slash ease of use, right? So all these three things come into play when it comes to thinking about your buyer and making the experience online as smooth as possible. And by navigation, that means it can be your navigation menu where you have your pricing, your about, uh, book a call, whatever it may be, and navigation through the entire site. How tough is it for someone to scroll down the homepage and find what they need? 
Is it easy? Do you have that in mind when you're building your website, uh, when your marketing team is working on it or the agency that you hire uh, is doing work on the site? That's, that's a very important component to really thinking about like, well, how do I make this easier for my buyer instead of just simply making a website that looks good? So it's interesting, right? So as a marketer, you know, you can design pages that are long form copy, right? So you have, and a lot of times people doing direct response marketing will do, you know, this, it just goes on and on and on the next thing, the next thing. It's almost like building the, the, uh, the, the interest level and the suspense, mm -hmm. where, where is it going to come? But in a lot of B2B, to your point, somebody's going to your site because they want to know, do you have a mixer that has that has a 60 inch diameter? Yes or no? Do you have it? Mm -hmm. That's what I need to know before I even continue. Mm -hmm. I don't need to see a novella telling me a whole story about that. Right. So so that goes back, I think, to your point about really knowing your buyer. So what are some best practices? If somebody listening to this says, I know we got to redesign. I'm looking to hire somebody. What should they be asking that agency to be focused on to get more buyer centric like what are the what are the things people do to be buyer centric the first thing uh that i like to do is figure out where your traffic is coming from so think about your other marketing campaigns your other marketing uh practices what are you doing to get people to your website and then think about where they are in the buyer journey so let me give a couple examples the first one is let's say your go-to-market strategy is you are doing a ton of SEO. And when people come to your website, they actually don't know who you are. They don't really know what you do and what you offer. So the strategy of your website is, hey, this buyer is brand new. What are we going to tell them about what we do, what we offer, and even like our value prop or our company narrative, right? Or our, our, our marketing narrative. What are we going to tell them, right? So that's scenario number one. Scenario number two is you've built relationships with your buyers already. Maybe you are creating content on a social media network. Maybe you have a podcast that you've been putting out and you know that your buyers are coming to you through those channels and eventually landing on your website. And guess what? They already know what you do, right? So now your strategy changes a bit where it's like you mentioned, hey, does it have, all right, they're looking for this specific uh, piece of machinery or this tool right? Now you tell them if you have it, right? You make it a little bit simpler. You have a book, a call. You don't need to necessarily tell the, the company's story or, or why you guys are in business or what sets you apart. A lot of times they already know those things. And yes, you should include them on your website, but maybe not right off the bat. So that's where it's like, you have to know where your buyers are coming from and then cater your website to that so that the experience is smooth and you're not reiterating yourself. You're making it very quick for them to get from point A to point B, which is eventually hopefully talking to sales. Hey, pardon the interruption, it'll just be a beat. We wanna tell you about something that's really exciting and it might be very exciting to you if you're the owner, CEO, leader of a B2B company, roughly with two to $20 million in revenue and you feel a little bit stuck. You know what I mean? Sales are a little flat, maybe even declining challenge. Margins are being squeezed. Sales cycles seem to be lengthening and lead flow is uncertain. We've designed a program based on over a dozen years of us doing exactly this for many B2B companies. It's called the Competitive Edge Program. And you can learn more about it at valueprop.com forward slash edge. Tells you all about the program. It's a 90 day program really focus on helping you sharpen your value proposition, 
aligning your value delivery, making sure your marketing program is doing what it has to do if you're in B2B, which is generate opportunities, and make sure your sales process is tight so that you can convert those opportunities into sales. So with that note, let's get back to an exciting episode of the Revenue Throughput Podcast. So if I was looking to hire uh, a firm like yours, but and, and our listenership could be anywhere in the world, so it may not be all, you know, on the East Coast, uh, but they're looking for somebody and they're saying, gee, how do I, how do I figure out which of these agencies, they all seem technical, they, their portfolios all look good. I mean, you know, everything looks the same at some level. Mm-hmm. What are one or two good questions myself as an owner should ask an agency so I can know, okay, these people are tuned into this buyer centric approach. Mm -hmm. I would ask them what the process is for a website build. If, if you, if you ask them that and you hear that they're prioritized in 100%, well, we want to make it look good and design, you know, takes the cake when it comes to prioritization. Again, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to prioritize design, right? (laughs) then that would be a red flag to me, right? But again, we're going back to our, what goes into a buyer-centric website? If if they're talking about, look, speed is really important to us and therefore we're going to take these steps. Um, Design is also important, right? It's, It's a factor. And then if they also say, look, before we ever start designing a mock-up for your website or showing you designs, uh, you know, that we think would look good, we're going to sit back and do like a, what, this is what we call low fidelity mock-up, which is just, Hey, this page goes here. This is what the menu looks like. This is how uh, the navigation will work. We highly recommend if you have like a bunch of pages on your website to do that so that you have like a framework. It's like a very sketched out blueprint of how the site will work. And that's a great question to ask in the process. If you can listen for it, if they totally skip over that, and they don't care about really, you know, what page goes where, how the experience is going to be laid out for these buyers, then maybe that's another red flag as well. And it's really just thinking about what goes into that buyer centric website. And are they checking those boxes with the navigation and the ease of use? Are they prioritizing speed? And of course, design goes into that as well. But that's everyone is, is uh, you know, passionate about that. Right, because we all want it to look good, but but again, to your point, it's it's not why people aren't surfing or reaching your website because they want it to look at a good looking website. They mm-hmm. go to Apple for that matter, you know, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, they could find exactly you know, some large. That, that's not the point. So, I, you know, as somebody's looking at this and thinking about what the website can do for them, um, in terms of things like, let's say, uh, lead generation, right? So I want to be able to capture people. You know, one of the classic tactics is you you give people something to download so they give you their email address, for example. Um, what is the current like trend in that regard as far as like capturing email so you can continue the conversation, so you can build a funnel? Uh, because it seems like I know myself, I, I reached a point where I said, okay, I've just collected in the last two months, 300 PDFs that I will never read. So at some point you stop doing that. So I'm just curious, what's what's been effective now as far as getting people's attention, getting them to maybe engage at some small level? What are, what are some best practices there? The best practices that I've found is winning long before that person ever gets to your website, right? And that's building a relationship with them through content. And one of the ways that you can do that is find out where they hang out, for our buyers and probably you know who we're talking to here, we have B2B buyers. Right. A lot of them are going to be on LinkedIn. 
right? So every single day, our ideal buyer is a marketer at a B2B SaaS company. So I create helpful content for them, whether it's a clip from our podcast, whether it is a tip on how to improve their website, whether it's a tip on how to improve as a marketer as a whole, that's content that I put out. And after months and months of doing that, people come to our website, they book a call with me, they get on Zoom, and they say, wow, this is nothing new to me. I've been following your content for this long. I've been listening to your podcast for three months. I feel like I know you already. Guess what? The website didn't have to do any heavy lifting. They were 90% of the way there when they got to the website. The, temp the website had to get them the final 10% of the way, book a meeting, and now we're into uh, a sales conversation, right? So the, 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 the thing I would say is like win long before your buyers are ever on your website. Right. I love that. That's yeah, creating content the title of this episode Win before they get there. Yeah. Win before they <laughs> get there. Yeah. So whether that is uh, content that you put a, on, on a social media network, whether that is uh, helpful case studies that you're chopping up and, and putting on LinkedIn, or even if it's a podcast that you start, which is easier than people think to do. Right. And you interview your ideal buyers on the show right? And then you, you chop up that content and give helpful content to their peers, right? That's another content pillar that you can do. And all of this together collectively will help get the buyer way more familiar with your brand, way more trusting you, and way more involved in a community so that they are ready to buy from someone they know, like, and trust. And they feel like they actually know you in a personal way when you're sitting here on Zoom or however you do your, your sales process. I'm going to quote uh, an expert. I like to give attribution wherever I can remember it, right? So his name is Tom Poland. He's based in Australia. And he, he says, um, he says, you want your, your, that interaction, whether it's the call or something, you want it to be something that confirms what the buyer is hoping is true. Mm -hmm. not convinces them you can't if you're waiting for that call to be the convincing call you've already lost because it's yeah. hard to do a major like b2b sale in 30 minutes if there's no pre as you put it and i love the way you put it you've won already so mm -hmm. by the time they want to talk to you sam i'm assuming they're like they're hoping what they believe is true that you confirm it it's almost like yours to lose i hate to put the pressure on you but it's kind of like that at that yeah. point if they're asking for that that's brilliant that's very mm -hmm. good so so what about the firm that says, well, you know what, we're not like consultants. We don't put out like content, white papers. That's not what we do. Mm -hmm. So how can they approach that without it being, I, I got to hire a content writer full time. Is there some, and you suggested some ways, I'm just thinking of like, kind of like almost a cheat sheet. What are some things they could do to maybe start that process? First is you need to have a subject matter expert in your business, right? And a lot of times this can be the founder, this can be a uh, CTO, whoever it might yeah, be. That's, engineer, that's in, somebody, yeah, exactly. somebody knows what they're talking about. Right. Okay. And it has to be someone that your buyers would look at and say, okay, yeah, he knows what he's talking about in this field. Okay. Right. At that point, you start to create content with that person. And some ways that you can do this is you can call it a podcast, right? But you can have someone from marketing or someone on your team sit down with a subject matter expert if they're not comfortable to do it on their own. And then you just let them talk. You interview them. You just kind of throw some questions their way and let them just kind of go and, and talk about what their expertise is and how it can help people in the field, right? And then you chop up that content. You turn it into a video. You 
create some quotes, you create a slide deck of the content that's already created, and then you put it on LinkedIn or where it might not be LinkedIn. You really have to know where your buyers are. Sure. Um, it could be Instagram reels. It could now be TikTok for all we know, right? YouTube. Um, you distribute your content there. And then now you just also recorded this long form podcast that you can transcribe into a blog post. You, you can obviously chop it up, like I just mentioned, and you can turn it into a podcast episode. You just slap an intro and an outro on it. And now you have another content pillar where people can go and listen to this podcast episode if it's actually valuable, right? You, you link in your, your comment section where you've been distributing this micro content to the podcast. Say, hey, if you like this clip or this quote, we have a podcast where this was pulled from. Maybe you'll find more value. Eventually, people will start to go listen to it. Um, so really identifying who the subject matter expert is in your company and then taking their content and somehow uh, getting that out of them, whether it's just sitting down, maybe they already have written a bunch of stuff and you can kind of uh, dress it up and, and post it somewhere. Uh, it's really just finding that person. And that's the start of your content strategy. Well, well, you know, I think about even professional service firms, like it could be CPA firms, which is populated by experts by definition. They're all experts, right? And, you know, you're right. You just have a conversation with somebody. Even two people in the same office could get on a Zoom call and record as we're doing right now. And you'd yeah. have you'd have content. And, uh, you know, one thing we've used, and there's a ton of them, we've used a Rev and Temi to do transcriptions, which mm -hmm. is just literally upload the file for those who've never used it. And in an hour, you get a transcription that's not 100% perfect, but it's pretty good. And it's, the, the automated version is like 25 cents a minute. So it's really inexpensive to do. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the cool thing about all the technology. It is actually pretty affordable if you're a little bit clever about it. Uh, but not to lose the big point. The big point is you're putting, you're putting smart things out there. Yeah, that's helpful. How, Here's the thing. You need to make it helpful and educational for your ideal buyers. And that might be some trial and error. Mm -hmm. And that definitely includes you going to the, your, your customers and figuring out what would actually be important to them and what would they consume. So you have to do some footwork and some homework. But once you start to get that content strategy rolling, you're going to be building relationships with your buyers. And they're going to be looking at your company as like this media company that they have an affinity to. They have an affinity toward your brand because you've been educating them for months. And now when they're ready to buy, they think of you, they go to your buyer centric website, that's really easy to use. And they book a call or they book a demo or they ask to talk to sales. It's as simple as that, honestly. Well, what, and what's cool about that, and I think really important to note in the way you've described it here, uh, Sam, is this, that it's not a lot of content about you. Exactly. Because that's the natural tendency. It's like, how I'm going to tell the world about it. I'm going to tell them how special how we, we are, are what yeah. we're doing, all the good stuff that we do. Because candidly, just think, you know, for anyone listening to this, just think about it from your point of view. When you go on the web and somebody starts just talking about themselves, it just like human reaction is like, well, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't got time for that unless it's mm -hmm. particularly somebody you're interested in. But something that's about me that helps me do my job, I might lean in and listen to that. So I think that's really yeah. great advice, Sam. Uh, I love it. oneclickagency.com. Uh, you can either use the number one or spell it out. It doesn't matter. And then uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I publish content there all the time. You can just search Sam Moss and I should come up. Um, and if you enjoy the marketing content, we also have a podcast where we release a couple episodes a week. That's called B2B Made Simple. 
um, and you can get more marketing ideas uh, like this. Uh, that's hopefully helpful for you. Fantastic. Sam Moss of One Click Agency. Thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me here, man.